Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is your Maxxis Tyres post-race show for round five of the Downhill World Cup here in Andorra. Maxxis have an insane history with racing and are the first brand that comes to mind when you think about performance tyres. It's no surprise then that Maxxis have won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup Downhill and EWS. Whatever your needs, Maxxis have you covered with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I'm absolutely loving using the Asagai 2.5 Max Grip in their brand new XO Plus casing up front, combined with the DHR Double Down Max Terra on the back. It's a well-proven combo that for me gives insane grip in the turns, but also allows you to slow down quickly when you need it to. Maxis are giving away some awesome merch bundles throughout the season. If you want to get your hands on one, then just share this podcast episode on your Instagram and tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Maxis Bike and we'll choose one lucky winner. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. Alright, Andorra turned up the heat and we had insane racing on a blown out and dusty track. The riders really pushed hard for every little piece of time available and it showed with some huge crashes and wild moments. As ever, I'm joined by Elliot Jackson and Nico Malali to find out all about what went on. All right, Andorra 2022 is complete. Uh, it was a hell of a race in insane, hot and dusty conditions. And I'm joined, as always, by Nika Malali and Elliot Jackson. Elliot, you're locked down in your hotel room. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, I got sick on, what was that, like Saturday morning? And so I was like, well, I probably don't want to like go and get a bunch of athletes sick and everything. So... I just kind of chilled out. It was actually funny because we do the Red Bull YouTube video. Uh, and normally on finals day, I do interviews after after finals or like, you know, podium stuff. And then we do a bunch of links. So like, I'll be like, hey, it's the women just finished. Oh, my God. Insane race. Now we're off to the men. And then at the end, I'll be like, sum it up and um, and then say, well, you know, welcome to or see you in whatever. Um, and so I couldn't do that. And so we had to think of something to do. And so I just recorded a little phone thing on my balcony and I was like, you know, it's really hot and dry. So I'm just going to watch it from my hotel room and, (laughs) and not go on site. And then we had Finn do Finn be me. Um, so I think he interviewed a bunch of people and stuff like that. Uh, so that was, that was pretty cool, but definitely a bummer that I couldn't be on site. Uh, was kind of cool to watch it on on the uh, Red Bull TV stuff. So, yeah, it's unusual for you, I guess, to see the coverage in that way, right? Yeah, the only time I usually am watching it is when I'm like studying my commentary, I guess, um, and kind of trying to see what uh, what I did or like watching the event from the previous year. So when I'm watching it, it's actually like more of like study mode than just like watching for enjoyment. So that was, uh, that was cool. Yeah. Good stuff, man. And, uh, Nico, you had a whole new track this week to get stuck into. You came over for the Catalan cup. So you had a little bit of prior experience of it. Just talk us through it from your perspective. Yeah, it was a really fun track to ride. Um, the top section was like a flow trail built for the speeds of a world cup and it got some holes in the turns, got rough. You had to go, above or below um, as it got blown out and it was yeah super fun to ride the the I guess the meat of the track was pretty high speed line the actual burned in line was narrow and there was debris on both sides so it was hard to get off of it um, which yeah, at that speed just felt like a super committed race <laughs> Yeah. It was, um, it was honestly it was scary to go that fast. I think most riders would say like, there's not much to separate and you could see how tight the times were. So you had to push as hard as you could. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it would be fun to go a little bit slower than that <laughs> and ride that track. But at that speed, it was, uh, yes, it, it was a tough one. Um, but I think it looked really good on the broadcast. It was good for, for the fans, good for good, good race to watch. Um, super exciting so for sure um, yeah sometimes the the translation of like the rider's favorite one to race like you want something slow and tech that you can separate yourself without 
it feeling dangerous, yeah. but that looks shit on TV. Yeah. And the fast ones are the times you're super tight and you're laying it on the line for a tenth of a second is like what looks great on TV, but as a rider, you're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but no, it was cool. I think it was good for the sport. Yeah. Was there much puzzling? I mean, there were a lot of people trackside throughout the whole of Lenzerheide staring at sections of track for long periods of time. I didn't see so much of it here, but I did. I missed the first day of practice because I was down in Frankfurt for Eurobike. But was there much sort of to puzzle over or were lines and things just a lot more obvious, I guess? Yeah, there wasn't as much, I would say, as Linzerheide. But in that sense, the small things make a big difference. Uh -huh. So there was definitely a few critical things. Um, the track had a, a couple traverses, a couple like a technical, not super technical, but a, a more technical section into a high speed section where you had to consider how long that speed was going to carry you out of it. So there's yeah a few a few different things to consider. Um, there's that pretty gnarly gap off the ski slope over the stump. A couple guys were doing. Um, so yeah, interesting how it all linked up, but. Yeah. Um, a few of those lines, or, or just even the way you wrote it, they they were make or break. So as even though they weren't um, maybe as big of a separator as the lines last weekend, in the results it was the same. Yeah, and it was uh, that stump drop was kind of on the live feed. Didn't look like a huge feature, but when you see it in real life, it was completely blind over that crest, and it was a fair way down. Oh, totally. Um, I, I didn't I, I was out on that one. I didn't <laughs> I I, uh, I I figured that I could worry about everywhere else on the track more than that one place. Um, and, and it was just a super committed line. I heard some of the guys' timing said it was 0.6 faster if you okay. did them both perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but the hard thing was about it, um, probably ten percent of the guys were jumping it. So the braking coming into it, it was getting braking bumps, it was getting chopped up from guys trying to brake early and pre hop into it. Uh -huh. So to jump it would have been a different braking point with with that. And as you said, totally blind. Like I talked to a couple guys that were doing it that were looking at a orange pad down the track to know where to aim for or the corner of the pole and estimating the the distance between the top <laughs> corner of the pole to where it was in the ground and the the margin was really tight where you had to land so um i don't know it was it's cool when there's stuff like that on world cup tracks i think it's uh it's cool to see stuff that pushes the best riders in the world out of their comfort zone yeah as long as it's not in a super dangerous situation which this was maybe borderline but yeah, um, yeah. there's always over the years not on every track but through the season a couple things like that and it's, uh, yeah, it's cool to see, like I said, the best guys in the world being afraid to do something and, and pushing the limit a little further, pushing yeah. them to be better and, and figure it out. Totally. Yeah, it was insane to watch. I saw a few people explode rear wheels on landing, but luckily everyone seemed to walk away from it, at least that I saw. Elliot, what was the feedback from riders? You spent some time down there chatting to riders after runs. How are people getting on with the track? Yeah, um, I think to maybe start off on that gap, like, like you were saying, it's not, uh, it didn't look that crazy from the, on the live feed, but the reason it was super gnarly was because there was the stuff that you landed in was all stumps. And so if you landed a little bit short, you would hit your bottom bracket. And if you hit your bottom bracket, it was like guaranteed crash. And then if you went a little bit too far, there was kind of like, it went up slightly. Um, so if you actually kind of there was maybe like two or three feet, um, maybe even less that you could actually land on. So you had to like land front wheel first, kind of like tapping the top of like the stump. And then if you went a little bit too far, you would bottom out and like almost crash. Like the, you kind of saw it in the live feed where people were, um, you needed some gym to save your life there because it yeah, was just like yeah. doing the biggest push up. So I think it was it was like how precise the landing was, and then combine that with what Nico was saying, where you um, you actually can't judge your speed, you don't know where you're jumping off of, and if you typically on like one of those gaps, you maybe like slow up a little bit and then pop, uh, but if you did that, you were going too high and you would bottom out and like probably crash. So everyone was having to take a ton of speed in, not pull up to like 
hopefully kind of grease the, the stump. So it was just like this really, really, really technical thing. Like you had to be so precise and yeah, like Nico was saying, the, um, like seeing people that are normally like the best in the world at doing gaps, like Greg and Bernard kind of like struggling with it was, was pretty insane. Um, and then this week on the video we did line choice. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of, uh, it was kind of fascinating because I think from the outside, um, you hear writers saying like, Oh, it's one line. But I think that that can get like misconstrued that it's easy. You know what I mean? And so everyone that we talked to was like, yeah, it's one line or whatever. But then you see them like going over their GoPros, like all the riding coaches and line coaches and line spotters and all these people were like up there and timing stuff and all this stuff. And so it's like, just because it's, you know, quote unquote, one line doesn't mean that it's easy. Uh, similar to what Nico said, like the, um, the, it gets the things that you're looking for just change, right? Like the lines start to be like inches apart instead of feet apart. And I think a, a big thing here was, um, trying to understand how the track was going to change. And so I think at the beginning it was, it was actually, I thought kind of unique that this was a race that didn't rain, but the track got slower throughout the day. Um, and you could kind of see that, like that last right-hand turn, um, that just kept blowing out and blowing out. And so you could kind of imagine the rest of the track doing that. And so you'd be like, Oh, how does the track get slower? And so it's kind of like having, because it was so soft, um, the lines that you would normally take maybe were, you know, two feet further out. Um, and then you couldn't really dive into the ruts because everything was so soft. So it was, um, yeah, I thought it was it was really interesting kind of seeing how people chose, like dissected the track. Um, and then also it was, I can't remember the last time we had a race like this where it was just so loose, like, yeah, like a mammoth or something like that in California. It was, it was super wild. It was for sure. Nico, tell us a little bit about bike setup. It was a, a rough track and got rougher and rougher throughout the week. Lots of big hits and compressions. Much difference in setup from like Lenzerheide, for example, which on the surface of it, I guess, was a much smoother track. Yeah. Um, for me, I went a little stiffer with my fork just because I wouldn't say grip wasn't an issue, but it wasn't, it was like a consistent slide when it's dusty. So you can go a little bit stiffer um especially with the holes that we had here with the front end um i think i maybe a little bit on compression but i i added air to the fork to uh-huh. just get it to hold up through the mid to, to end stroke a little bit and then um tire choice too uh, i saw a lot of different things going on up there yeah some guys on wet screams like it's funny when people when it gets loose go to muds uh-huh. which really when it comes to the tire choice if you're confident, if you get in the start gate and you're like, these tires are going to hook, it doesn't matter what tires they are to an extent. Yeah. Um, but I saw a variety of different choices. I ran the Asagai in the front and the DHR2 in the back, which I saw a lot of guys doing. Yeah. I don't normally ride the Asagai. It feels to me like a really comfortable tire. It's predictable to lean over um, when you have like a hard base on the bottom and loose, kind of dry, loose yeah. stuff over top. The Asagai is very predictable in that situation, but it's kind of a slower rolling tire too, Uh which I guess like you're always going to balance that grip comfort versus fast rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, So normally I'm a DHR2 guy, but I like the SCI in the front for this situation. It did in a lot of sections have a pretty hard base still. It was soft at the top. Um, Some of those fresh sections at the bottom were pretty soft, but some of the parts that were off camera, the traverses, the rock gardens and stuff, they still had a base to them that was hard. It wasn't just bottomless. Yeah. And there was a lot of rock on the track too. Um, so yeah, I guess for me, like, I guess it always comes down to tires and suspension are the two main points that, um, that I played with, but yeah, definitely some bigger compressions on this one. Some of the ones towards the bottom, you were going slower because it was so steep, like off the last two bridges, that section, super gnarly. Yeah. But you weren't really able to just smash it. Like if it was a little 
less steep you, uh-huh. you would. I mean, if you came off that thing, nobody kind of downside of the bridge. They all checked up and dropped into it. Yeah. But if you hit it harder, um, it's just too steep to do. So they did, those compressions didn't come out quite as much, but there were definitely a lot on the top of the track that you were bombing um, big holes that they almost intentionally made them, which was cool. Like the track still had a natural feel. Obviously the top was, was all a float trail that was honestly pretty fun to ride. Yeah. But after that, they kind of went through with an excavator and just dug like weird compressions into the dirt. Like they made their way down the track without putting necessarily a big berm and support. And I feel like sometimes when you work with an excavator, you can make the track too nice uh-huh. because you have the tool to do it. But these guys were like, they had dug like just weird angled lumps in the ground that built into being like rough compressions, rough straightaways. And uh, because it was one line track in a lot of sections, like those lines got really rough. Yeah. So it was a balance definitely to go stiffer on this one. The grip was predictable enough to do it. And yeah. then what tires you were comfortable with in the dust. Okay. Well, you get, would you go like in a mud race, I guess you can get away with going a little bit softer on tire pressures. Is that a similar thing when it's as dusty as that or not the same case? Um, normally when it's dusty, there's, it, it's not um, soft everywhere. Yeah. And that was kind of the case here too. Um, so yeah, I was pretty normal on tire pressures, like similar to what I, I think I normally run. 24, 29, I was like 25, 29. I felt like the acid guy, I don't know why, I just went up a little bit in, in pressure. Yeah. Um, but I guess a mud race, you can go lower in pressure because the tire will slide before you get like a casing roll feel. Uh-huh. And in a dry race, there's still supported areas that you will get the casing roll. So Got you. it just depends. Um, yeah. And it's totally dependent on all of the rest of your bike setup and your riding style and your weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like in the dust, the, the low pressure isn't as crucial. Almost get like a more consistent feel of normal pressure. And then to consider there's a lot of rocks on the track too. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see many problems with it, but you, there's definitely stuff that you could smash in. Yeah. I saw a few people ripping tires off rims, but I didn't see many punctures throughout the week, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Let's um, let's talk a bit about the racing then, and we'll start off with with the juniors. Uh, Phoebe Gale won this one by by a pretty big margin of almost six seconds, I think. Um, I spoke to her before she headed up, and she'd had uh, I don't know if she'd been down or what, but she was worried, pretty worried about her shoulder, talking about rotator cuff issues. So pretty awesome to see her take a, a win by a margin of that size. So that was a, a commanding result over Gracie Hemstreet there. Hey, Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, I feel like I'm a, I'm like a normal fan on this week where I'm like, Oh, I have no idea how I would like get any info on the juniors. Oh. Um, but I did get to see and, and talk to some of them like earlier in the week and, uh, and watch qualifying. And it was, yeah, it seemed like, it seemed like these, um, like Gracie and Phoebe, like each have their, their weeks. Um, where they're super, super on, you know, maybe being comfortable on the track and stuff like that. Uh, but I think it's, to me, it's interesting just kind of like seeing maybe that progression of consistency, being able to like ride up to your full potential every week. Um, so yeah, that was kind of one of the things I was thinking about throughout the, throughout the weekend with the, with the junior women. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, Jackson Goldston, once again, took the victory in junior men's. He looked like he was having a lot of fun all weekend through the the big jumps at the top, like styling it out and smashing out a huge number of runs and put nearly two, well, over a second into Jordan Williams. Again, those two still pretty tight. Um, and Jackson took the fastest time of the day, which is, uh, has definitely created some discussion here and also on mountain bike forums globally what can we read into that though because there's the the track was definitely degrading throughout the day so i think it would be probably false to say that he would have won the elite men's for sure but it's uh it's again a sign of just how good these top juniors are yeah not to take anything away from the time the track did degrade like being out there we practice after the junior race is over and then race uh after the women's race so when we started practice to the end, the track was getting worse. And then by race run, 
I don't know why, but it, I guess guys are just going at the absolute limit. So the track breaks down, like guys are breaking later, hitting stuff as hard as they can, maybe getting loose. So track breaks down during the race, always more than it does through practice, even though guys are doing maybe three runs in that hour we have. During the race run, it's also beating in the sun, um, a minute between riders. So there's there's when there's a consistent flow of guys, maybe there's a little bit more moisture being pulled out of the ground to keep it. And when there's one guy a minute hitting it as hard as they can, it gets broken up more. But yeah, I would say the track had to be worse. Um, it was, def- I mean, I can say from my experience it was. Um, but not to take anything away from Jackson. I mean, he, he rode amazing. He, who knows, on, only Lars and Jackson know how fast they went. So it's hard to say like what the the difference was there. But um, you know, who he, he might've been able to win uh, going at three o'clock too. Uh, I think the track probably suited him pretty well. It was, it was fairly steep at the bottom. He's a light little guy, like super good at getting in and out of that stuff. Yeah. And as it was blowing out, like not being super heavy on his feet in those soft ruts, getting, yeah. being able to carry momentum through them without pushing the bike too deep into them. He's super good at. So, um, exciting for sure. Exciting. Definitely, yeah, and an amazing uh, result for Canadian downhill as well. I think uh, Jordan Williams was the only non-Canadian on the on the men's podium, um, and also with Gracie taking second in the in the women's. Like Canadian downhill has got a strong future coming, so that was exciting to see. Elliot, you were going to say something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I totally agree. I think that it, it was like a it felt like a track where a lot of I don't know because it was so different, you had a lot of different people. And I know like in Canada as well, like you have um, some like loose places that they get to ride like Panorama and, and Sun Peaks and places like that. Um, But the other thing I was thinking about in terms of the times is um, I was just kind of think about the uh, kind of like the average like times, like Jackson had an insane run, but if you go back to, like fifth place in juniors, it would have been like a top 15 in, in men's and then like third in juniors would have been a top 10. And so I think that that's like pretty out of the ordinary in terms of um, just like how the times are. Uh, so I think you can kind of tell like where the track is at with that sort of thing. But yeah. I think the other thing on the flip side of that, like Jackson doesn't usually win by two seconds. Like you normally have Jordan and Jackson like 0.002 apart. So I yeah. think he did have like a really, really amazing run. Yeah, it was a big chunk faster than his quality time as well. So he was definitely on fire. Let's move on to the elite women. Um, and it's been a, a tough week, I think, for Miriam Nicole. She was in hospital earlier in the week, feeling very under the weather. Um, I spoke to one of the team who said she'd she'd been struggling to kind of eat and energy was a a real premium for her. So given all that, it was pretty impressive to see the pace that she had until that unfortunate incident in the woods. Huh? Yeah, it, it was like, I, I feel like um, Miriam is getting fed up <laughs> by like <laughs> you know, when she gets beat. Like I, um, I've seen her the last couple of races, like in qualifying at, um, at both races, actually like Lindsay and here. Um, she'll come across and just be like, man, like, man, like I'm, I'm mad about it, you know, which I think is, is super cool, uh, that she is feeling, feeling like, okay, I'm, I, I want to win. Like I, not, I should be there, but like, I want to fight for this win. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that was how she felt after Linda Haida, like, in finals, she was just like, man, I'm, I'm going to go for it. Like I really want this win. And then I think here as well, kind of saw her qualifying and I know she wanted to do a better run. So I think she was, yeah, like giving it all she had. Um, and you know, like Nico was saying, like any little mistake here is just so easy to crash. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen so many of the top riders get so loose, like in the women and the men. Um, and I think it just kind of go, goes to show it's it's difficult because it's slightly random, you know, like a rock can just pop.
pop your wheel out or a rut can be a little bit softer than it was all week or, you know, whatever that could be. Um, so those, the other thing I think about is like, it, it shows how hard the top riders push, um, compared to some of the others, but yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see Miriam, like <laughs> just going for it again. Definitely. And, uh, Valley hole has finally got the monkey off her back for this season. Nico, she, uh, she's had a really tough time, I think, and you've, we've seen it kind of hit her mentally throughout the start of the year. Um, yet she still turned up. She said she had a massive crash in her last practice run before to the point where she was embarrassed about it and didn't tell anyone on the team. She just said she'd had a little lie down, um, but apparently it was a pretty significant crash. She crashed in a quali run as well. Like, you know, that, that mindset challenge that she's faced all year is getting tougher and tougher. So to see her ride with that level of aggression into a race run and to finally put it together like a it's super impressive that she hasn't just backed it down and like ridden really cautiously which i don't think you could have done here and put in a a competitive run but yeah just to see her turn up put the speed down and uh, and get that race that that was cool in itself and then it must feel good for her right yeah for sure to to turn things around like that um and and especially on a day that wasn't going so well it's it's awesome to see i think it'll carry some momentum for her kind of get the monkey off her back um but sometimes when you're in that situation at least from my experience like you feel like your back's against the wall a little bit all you can do is say okay i'm gonna go and race i can control where i put my tires on the track i can control where i intend to break and i'm just gonna do the very best i can and when you can get the rest out of your head where like okay this is all that i have to do I mean, that should be the way you always race. But sometimes you feel a little bit like that when your um, things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. You just go back to the basics. And sometimes that sparks the right change in the right direction. So uh, hopefully hopefully it continues for her. I mean, like you said, she's a lot of hype behind Valley for a long time. When she was in juniors, people are saying, oh, she's coming. When she gets to elite, she's going to win everything. She's going to dominate. Yeah. And it hasn't really gone that way. So it's got to be tough for her, like, She's been hyped up that way, and mm-hmm. she knows that. She's got a lot of big sponsors, and uh, not that she hasn't delivered, but I don't think she's done as well as she wanted. Obviously, she wants sure. to win, yeah. and that's not saying that in a negative way. Um, so cool to see her get the win, and hopefully adds to uh, some momentum in the right direction and another top woman. Because the women's racing has been really exciting this, this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, and she likes snowshoes. She went well there last year, so uh, she comes out of this round feeling in a good spot i think which is cool elliot talk us through cammy's run there was a few mistakes there which is kind of unusual for her and um, she's still very much in the title hunt but not not a perfect run from cammy this this weekend which is kind of what we got used to seeing i suppose yeah it was funny um i at lindside i i actually said like oh does she have a flat um because i saw her back in step out a couple times but i was just so not used to her not being perfect like i was so used to her just having these like perfect runs you know perfect on the edge of traction just like no mistakes no nothing and i think it was kind of the same here where um yeah she had some she had some mistakes um i don't know i i i didn't get to talk to her i didn't get to talk to her after linza Heide, and i um i would have liked to talk to her after this to, to ask her about it, you know, like just to see, is she pushing more? Um, is it just, you know, just had two runs that weren't perfect, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, yeah. I would wonder how she felt about this run and also the last run, because I mean, even though she's still, you know, (laughs) right there, uh, it was uncharacteristically, you know, quote unquote messy. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting, but I, but again, I think the track kind of was, was like that as well. Yeah. We saw messy runs from a, a good chunk of people throughout the entire race and all the categories. So yeah, for sure. And then another couple of, uh, of women that went super well, all 
football weekend. Millie Johnson, I think, equals her best ever World Cup result in fifth. And Jess Blewett taking her best ever result in fourth, which coming back from a broken femur in snowshoe last year and then a broken collarbone earlier this season is pretty impressive. Two girls that are super confident, it appears, on big jumps and were enjoying themselves. I saw like, her on Vital Raw throw a toboggan over one of those huge jumps. <laughs> it's like, no way. Yeah, no mess in her. There's yeah. some serious talent in that try field. That. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, congratulations to those two. And then Eleonora Farina, a track where um, I think she she definitely enjoyed it, felt she could go probably better than that position show. We've, again, we've got used to seeing her on the podium. Um, but yeah, no doubt she'll be be hungry for the rest of the season. So yeah, some super exciting women's racing. Congratulations to Valley for, for that, Elliot. Um, yeah, one, one thing, like overall thing I feel like in the women is everything's getting a little bit closer. It just feels like over the years you have two groups um, where there's the top five and then you have maybe six through ten. And it feels like that is uh, that's definitely getting a little bit closer. Like when you think of the number of women that can fight for that podium, uh, it's, it's definitely cool. Um, I will give a little shout out to Anna Newkirk. She got eighth um, on that Beyond Racing team. And we... Uh, sponsor her, uh, Gross Cycling sponsors her. And so it was kind of cool helping them get their sponsors going and, and like with the team and kind of putting together a little package where her and Abby Hoagie could, could uh, go to all the races and do some media stuff and, and everything like that. So that, that's been really cool seeing them do their thing. And, and uh, yeah, Anna being eighth, and I think she was only like five seconds off the podium. So it was awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Let's uh, let's move on and talk about the men's. Nico, we'll start with you. Um, we were talking just before we hit record. You were saying that you felt there was definitely a level of aggression needed to even to qualify this weekend on the track. The times are so tight. Um, yeah, talk us through both kind of qualities and race run from your perspective. Yeah, in general, this season, I mean, it, it always gets tougher, but qualifying is tight these days, especially on these tracks that are somewhat shorter mm-hmm. and less... Uh, slow and technical yeah it's it's hard to separate yourself and there's so many guys that can make that top 60 cut the top 60 cuts pretty pretty hard to do so um yeah last weekend i missed it by two seconds and i didn't feel like i had a great run and going into the race going into the quality run my brother he was out filming on track he's like dude you're riding good but you just need to push it like you need to ride aggressive you can't be too perfect like these these guys like all these kids the guys you're racing against are, are sending it and they're they're willing to get a little bit out of sorts they say if you want to race against them you got to push it uh-huh. ride aggressive don't don't hold back in your quality run and that's I, I felt like i got myself into a good mindset put a good run together i mean it's hard for me to be super stoked about a 50th place qualifying mm-hmm. but the cut's hard to hard to make these days and i i respect the guys i'm racing against i respect how fast they're going so um I was I was relieved to make it through. Um, I definitely felt like I had to dig deep to do it, and uh, and then race run I I felt like I didn't have the next gear, and I was trying to find it to go faster than that. The uh-huh. track was getting worse. Uh, it was pr- practice was tough. You know, we have that hour, and all the guys are riding basically as a lineup at the start, and you go every. 10 seconds and it was just a dust cloud like Mm. hard to see anything during practice the track's worse so i didn't feel like i grabbed that extra gear and i was searching for it and my race run just messy trying to trying to find some lines blown out some of the ruts were soft and pushed further out of the track so um yeah didn't didn't have a good i was disappointed in my race i had it was definitely not a great run, but I didn't think it was as bad as it was. Uh-huh. Um, but just shows the pace of the guys. I mean, on a short track especially, there's not the fitness that comes in. So some guys that can hold on for two minutes, are, they might not do that at Fort William, but yeah. it kind of equalizes by the end of the race, whereas a short one, uh, guys can send it and, and, and make it in. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. I was, like I said, happy to make it. Uh, look back on it and you know breaking ground on this new project getting to race my bike in the world cup final is, is such a learning experience mm-hmm. and i do think that it will get easier in the future setting myself up for a good spot as i said so um yeah just 
getting into the final as many times as I can is it's hard to be super stoked and motivated to do that in the off season. You're not like training like I want to get get in the top sixty. Yeah, but it's a tough thing to do these days. And like I said, the guys are riding so well that uh, you got to respect that for sure. And I think you win the award for uh, biggest warm up umbrella at the top of the track as well. <laughs> oh man, my mechanic Ancho is so proud of that. He went down and bought this uh, like a beach umbrella, and uh, he was like so proud that we had the best warm-up setup and there's he's like look at this troy brosnan holding a small monster energy umbrella on one of the biggest salaries there is and look at our setup if you don't have a lot of money you have to be smart (laughs) (laughs) and it's true i mean that's the that's our whole program in a nutshell it was a good effort and also the best view like the view from where you were warming up like out the back of the track was just yeah, I don't think I was really in the mindset to appreciate that. <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, the lines on the track, hitting my marks, but um, a pretty cool spot up there. Yeah, yeah, pretty special. Yeah, it's an interesting track for that one. And um, Elliot, have you seen Amory Piron's practice crash yet? The, uh, I've, no, I've never I seen anyone hit it. a tree quite so hard. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Yeah, he's a, he's an animal. I, I heard Rob talking about how gnarly it was and yeah for him to still go down and send it and yeah rob said that the rumor in the pits was he had a broken arm so (laughs) sure i guess you go and race finals after that yeah how hard is that i mean you said you rode past him nico and saw him just sat at the you know the side of the track well there's a red flag there and then they change it to a yellow flag and he's still just laying on the side of the track as guys are ripping by um that section's really hard to to ride i mean I shouldn't say it's really hard to ride. It's really hard to ride at that pace. Yeah. And if you watch Amari's style, what I think makes him so good is how aggressive he is over the front of the bike. Mm-hmm. It seems like in almost every situation he puts, and he's so strong that he can just put his weight into the front end, put so much uh, muscle into the handlebar and commit to the front wheel. Yeah. And in that section, you come over a big rock that you, you can't see as you enter the woods you go from light, it's super bright out there, to dark in the woods. Yeah. The line, the ride line is pretty narrow and it's hard to see what is soft and what is a hard base. And he just came in aggressive over the front end and I think it was a few inches to the, to the outside, caught a soft spot and tucked the front wheel and went over the bars. So I guess that's the price you pay for the, the speed you go, right? Yeah, like the yeah. guy rides that committed all year and doesn't have that problem and you know, if once in a while by chance is going to happen so yeah i mean impressive that's why last weekend i think he felt like he he felt good Mm -hmm. why not go for the win don't just cruise it into 10th when you have a healthy points lead yeah take as many points as you can while you can because something like this might happen and it did and it he's still in a good spot yeah yeah so as long as he's not actually injured and can well, I mean, he rode yesterday, but sometimes, like when the adrenaline wears off, it's it's harder than it was yeah. a, a couple hours later. But hopefully, by snowshoe, he gets that that feeling good again. And yeah, he's got two weeks, I guess, to sort stuff out. Two weeks out. is uh, it's a tight turnaround, but it's better than <laughs> better than nothing, right? Better than a back to back, yeah, for sure. And I guess to some extent, he was lucky. Like I think Matt Walker was closest to him in the points, and yeah. Matt had that huge crash in the top section. Yeah. So it sort of neutralized that battle a little bit. And like you said, he, he pulled the buffer from Lenzerheide and made it work for his in his advantage. So he's still in a commanding position there. Let's uh, talk about Oliver Zwar, Elliot. That uh, that was looking more and more like he might have done what was needed for the for the win there. He was sat sat down in the hot seat for quite a chunk of time. Not, not yeah. a rider we often hear much about, really. Yeah, man. Um, it's, I think it, him and... Um, him and his brother like were super on it last year. And I feel like they're just now kind of like getting back into the swing of things. Um, I got to stay with, uh, with Walker and the union team and stuff like that. And Ollie and them weren't there, but I feel like they just like have their program dialed and Ollie, like they, <laughs> they work so hard. Like Ollie works so hard, trains so hard, is like so precise. Um and I think he yeah, he just like nailed nailed that run. Um it was really, really cool to see. I was kind of like looking at looking at the uh the little virtual straight 
that section that Nico was talking about in the middle, um, you had kind of like a rock section, right-hander. I guess it was where Aaron got wild. Mm -hmm. That was so important. And I think he really hit that good. It felt like that little piece there um, coming onto those traverses was one of the key sections. And then down at the bottom was a kind of a key section. So uh, yeah, yeah, really, really, really stoked to see that. Definitely. And Luke Meyersmith as well on another good one. I think it was Fort William where he had a, a solid result. He looked really comfortable in those conditions, eh, Nico? Like, seems to be at home in the dust. For sure. I mean, he, I, I would assume an Australian guy would ride well in those conditions. That's, I, I, would, I guess when we were in Cairns, it was pretty dusty, except for the one year. But I've never really spent a lot of time in Australia, but that's what I would imagine it to be like a day like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Hot and dry and loose. Uh, but yeah, Luke just riding great all year, like quietly always there. And when you see him on track, like the form that he has carries so much speed through the turns. Yeah. And he's, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a young kid that's every weekend making progress, which is really cool to see, um, and inspiring. So I think a lot more to come from him too. Like he's only, I think he's, he's only super young, right? Second, second year, yeah. third year elite. Like he's, and not somebody you've heard a lot about. Um, until this year and yeah. he's like had a few top tens and he's up there every weekend so yeah I think yeah we'll see more from him for sure and uh, for a good friend of yours Aaron Gwynn this track if if ever there was a track with Aaron Gwynn written all over it feels like it was this weekend like you could see him on track looking like the Aaron Gwynn that we all know and love from those back to back years of victory after victory um, he had the momentum from Lenzerheide I guess like he, he, he believed that he could do well here. In fact, it feels like he believed he could win because he had a couple of pretty big moments on that race run and seemed pretty angry with himself, kind of felt like he didn't didn't execute how he wanted to. It's cool to see though, huh? Like that old competitive oh, feisty so, Aaron back. So cool. Uh, we, were, uh, we were pitted next to him this weekend and talking to him a bunch and he did seem like the old Aaron, which is cool to see that coming back. Like I said, last weekend the guy could have easily just hung it up and said i won 20 of these things like what why am i out here fighting for a podium like how many podiums has he had but he's doing it he's putting in the work and he's uh climbing the ladder back to the top which is i think probably harder to do than the first time mm -hmm. which was so impressive than when he did yeah. it the first time and this was the first race where i think he really looks back at the run and says, the time I left on the track would have been enough to contest for the win. Yeah. And to stand on the podium is going to be a huge confidence boost for him. So he's going in the right direction for sure. And I'm, I'm just stoked for him. Like, it's cool to see everything he's gone through. The last time he won a race was 2018. It's a long time. And I time. don't think at that time, like the way that we knew Aaron, we would believe it if you said, oh, Aaron's going to be taken four years to get five years to get back to this yeah um so yeah i'm happy for the guy yeah well and he's fairly close to greg isn't he in the uh in the in the battle for overall i think greg has 22 world cup wins and aaron has 20 yeah greg also has three world championship which yeah. is super valuable but aaron's got five overall championships so those years you rode pretty smart to get yeah. those champions sometimes like when you have a championship on the line, you have to be consistent. Yeah. So, I don't know, hard to say. But, um, yeah, Aaron's definitely second in, in the all-time wins list. And I remember when it was close, like both of them now, are the, the wins aren't coming as, consistent, mm. as quickly and consistently as they were a few years ago. Aaron, that was definitely a goal of his, was to take the, the most World Cup yeah. wins of any rider um, in the men's field. But... Um, I don't know. It's definitely not something that keeps him up at night, but I, th I think, it, yeah, it would be cool. So I think for maybe a, a, two years ago, it was getting further away, uh, the, the getting more distant, the mm -hmm. goal. And now it's coming back to being like, yeah, I can do that. And it's more motivating yeah. when you're, I always thought a, a race where you, where you leave feeling like you had a good result, but, there's also like you you're up at night dreaming of the potential for the next one yeah is like the best spot to be because you like carry that 
into the next race. Nice. Well, and the next race is in front of the home crowd, right? We're in snowshoes, so yeah. if anything, that's going to G him up a bit more. So, sure. yeah, good, exciting stuff. Elliot, let's talk about Andreas Kolb. He is the only man to have been on the podium at the last three races. He seems to have become Mr. Consistent overnight. It's like he's, tro- he's stolen Troy Brosnan's powers. Like something's going on here. What's happening? He's just on good form and constantly sliding it onto the box. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago that I feel like he um, is just like on this super good trajectory. The bike looks like it's working good. Him and Charlie have like a like a nice um, rivalry or like they can push each other a bit where they're improving feels like almost at the same rate. Uh, and I got to see him after qualifying. Um, and I can't remember where he came in qualifying, but it was, it was good. And um, I think his, one of his, uh, one of the staff there, he was not super stoked. And, and they made a joke that was like, you know, a week or two ago, you would have been really happy with this. And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I, I think it's really nice when that happens. And then the run itself was, I thought really good. Like it is, there is a totally different mindset um, to be able to push that hard at the bottom uh, because so much of the time, like whatever happens in in the top can influence what happens in the bottom, whether that's, okay, I got a little bit loose. Let's just, you know, I'm, I'm off the pace anyway right now. Uh, I'll just kind of nurse it down or, okay, you know, I had a pretty good run. Let's just kind of keep it going or whatever. But it felt like he was totally in the moment and just, you know, his bottom section probably was, I didn't look at the splits, but it had to be top, top three or something like that, you know, if not one of the best. So I think that that to me meant a lot that he was able to pull back so much time at the bottom. Um, and it really like shows me more like mentally than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Apparently he was pretty surprised by the result. I don't know if this is true or not, but I was chatting to someone this morning and he said he was, he was genuinely quite surprised. Like I think him and Charlie both found the track. Well, a lot of riders I think found the track quite intimidating, like trying to stay off the brakes on some of those fast traverses and really keep, keep everything wide open. So yeah, I think he came over the line and was kind of surprised by that. So if you if you're getting on the podium with a run that you didn't think was there, just shows kind of how much raw speed the guy's got at the moment. Yeah, and you know what's funny is um, I was going to mention this about Aaron, and it's like I feel like his approach has been almost opposite to Valley's, where he it's been like okay, I know where I'm at, I know what I need to work on, and I'll just like slowly build from there. Um, yeah. So like when I, when I watch Valley, it seems like, you know, she's just been kind of saying, okay, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep pushing for it, you know? And I thought it was fascinating when you see these, these guys that, um, and girls like who are just so tuned in, like I interviewed Aaron after qualifying and he was like, yeah, I think you know, I'm feeling pretty good and I probably have the speed to do, you know, a, um, a podium, like if not contest for a win. And then like knowing that and knowing exactly like how good a run was, you know, you hear people come down and they're like, yeah, it was good, but this, this, and this. And so it won't quite be a win, but it'll be a podium or something like that. And it ends up being a fourth or a fifth. And so I think that that is kind of that consistency, that experience. And so for Andreas, like he's not quite there yet because he's, you know, he's, um, it's new for him to be getting podiums every week. But I think like as he's, as he does that and as he like realizes what his speed actually is, he can be like, ah, okay. Like, yeah, I made some mistakes, but I pushed really hard. Like, all good. I think that that's a podium or like, you know, whatever. So I, I'm excited to kind of see that transition in him and in, in valley i think definitely man definitely let's talk about finn isles a guy that's glad he did some bench pressing in the off season that was a was one of the saves of the day coming through that rock section i saw a horrific crash there in uh, in practice it was definitely not a place you wanted to go down huh yeah not at all a lot of sharp edges in there 
I think it just shows when you see the best guys in the world getting loose like that, how hard they're pushing and how, how important it is to gain those little bits on the track where the times are so tight. Uh, but Finn's been on it this year. Obviously, he's sat out of a race, and now he's second in the overall. Mm-hmm. Um, cool to see him riding so committed and going, like, he was going for the win. He never won before, so he yeah. wanted to try to win the race, and that's, that's awesome for everybody watching. Yeah, definitely. Insane pace, and it's going to come. Um, also, on saves, we should talk about Eddie Masters. That was uh, a hell of a save. So much of a save that he lost a tooth. What? Yeah. yeah, I think it was a fake tooth anyway, but he lost a tooth during that save when he had a, he swapped so hard that his fake tooth fell out. Super impressive, Eddie pulling the trigger on something like that. Like Eddie has been competing in the enduro. He's doing a lot of different racing. I don't think that Eddie thought he was going to win this race, mm-hmm. but to still take that risk to hey, if this gap is possible, I'm going to try it is. Super cool. I respect it <laughs> yeah. a lot, for Eddie, for, for riding like that. It's impressive. Yeah, like, and, and he's doing well in the EWS as well, you know. He's yeah. podium at the last round, so he, ideally he'd be in one piece coming for Whistler next weekend, but no, he's still still throwing it down. So, yeah, it's cool to see. It's really cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about Lower Elliot. I mean, we, we chatted to him briefly on track at Lenzerheide last weekend and he was like oh, I'm not sure if I'm even going to ride like I'm too sore it's it's not good and then we're one week later on possibly the roughest track of the season so far and he's putting in performances like that how how does that turnaround happen I I have no idea actually um I don't know I I genuinely think that he wasn't planning on racing uh on at Linzahida like it wasn't like, eh, I don't know. He was like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down, you know? And I think for him to say that it must've been pretty painful, um, to have that, to have that injury. So yeah, I don't, I have no idea. I didn't get to ask him about like how he was feeling, uh, in terms of like the pain, but, um, man, that is one of those performances that I think might go under the radar a little bit. But uh, to me, it was really, really, really impressive. Yeah, his run looked so smooth. He just looked like he put in a really clean run, as did Loris. But Loic to come back from injury, and as we saw the couple guys that went before him, how many mistakes were coming out, yeah. especially in the last section, um, for him to put in a run that was just inch perfect. And then take the hot seat and get second place. I think super impressive. And he probably had a little more in him, being looking at how how clean his run was. Uh-huh. But I think that's what he intended to do, and that was his plan for for this race back, first yeah. first uh, second race back, a first race where he was racing to race. I think um, whenever you come back from an injury, even if you give it more time, the first times you ride, it it hurts, mm-hmm. and you got to get the vibrations through it to get it feeling better it, it speeds up the recovery process and I thought saw that's kind of what he said last week was his intention to race was to come back quicker for yep. the next races so um, yeah last weekend wasn't about the result it was about getting more time on the bike and getting in a better spot for this weekend and uh, yeah to pull back a result like that that quickly super impressive yeah it shows the mental strength I guess to be able to come back from what like 23rd in Lenza High that even though he was injured he was disappointed with to kind of just get that focus back and be able to put in not far off a winning run is... Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of it was like a kick in the ass to say, hey, if you want to go on the podium, you got to yeah, you got to race to race. Yeah. And then he came this weekend to do that. Yeah, impressive stuff. And a, a, like home race, I guess, for him and a few other riders. Um, let's talk about Loris. Um, finally, kind of what we've been waiting for all season, a guy that's incredible to watch on any track. Not necessarily the track that I'd have picked him to to win on, maybe, but insane and and looked pretty in control, genuinely, like the whole way down. Like you say again, compared to some of the top guys that were rolling the dice or having having issues. Totally. I mean, to me, Loris is always the best technique of any rider. I think Loris lacks a little bit in self confidence sometimes and full commitment if mm-hmm. he's not feeling like I don't know. Maybe the tires have the grip that he wants or that the bike's doing what he wants or that 
things are all aligning, he yeah. he backs it off a little bit, which is a a very normal person thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he his technique when he rides, he's so light on his feet. He he makes it look so easy and effortless. He he's you don't see him going the bike going up and down a lot. Like even he jumps this jump off the road lower than anyone yeah. lands. The bike sticks right to the ground. And that's, that's a lot of really good technique from Loris and waiting at the right places. Mm -hmm. You see in rougher sections too, he's not jumping stuff. He's uh, staying super neutral on the bike and letting it do the work and, and not having a hard compression and then, uh, and then going in the air. Like he's just light across everything. And yeah makes it look so easy it does and uh it was just cool like i know how, how much pressure he must have been feeling to qualify first know that he can win the season hasn't gotten off to the best start for him mm -hmm. and there's chances to win world cups are so few and far between that those guys want to take advantage of it because you don't know when the, like like we were just talking about with yeah. aaron the last yeah, yeah. time that he won like you don't know what's going to happen and when the next opportunity will be so mm -hmm. these guys want to take advantage of every opportunity they can and i'm sure for Lars, that was a super high pressure situation for any guy that's racing for a yeah. win at the top of the at the end of the end of the race um so to see him deliver a run that was like loic really smooth and mm -hmm. really clean but also super fast and, and and what it took to win yeah on the most blown out track like no one <laughs> yeah, had obviously it, it was the worst at the end yeah um i was thinking Lauren Delora must have been super proud because yeah. Loris, Loic, Finn, yeah, those are all the, the kids that, that he found and yeah. developed and now they're top three in the world yeah, in a yeah. row. Yeah, so Lauren is the manager of Specialized Gravity, previously Lapierre, Gravity Republic. So yeah. yeah, it's him that's kind of, like you say, found that talent and brought them all up. So. Yeah, and obviously Loris now on a different team, but still um, I'm sure that pride goes beyond the team's like, everybody has a personal relationship sure. and yeah. it's a small kind of community here today. Yeah. So. And, and 1.4 seconds is a big win on a track yeah, like that. Yeah, as tight as we were saying it was, at some seconds there was more than 10 guys on a 50 or a 51 or a 52. For him to win, be the only guy 1.4 up is, yeah, it's that's big. Yeah, insane. And uh, one rider that we missed seeing on the actual race, unfortunately, this, this weekend was Benoit Coulange, someone that's been just there doing his thing all season and uh, had a pretty nasty crash coming into the rock garden, I think, Elliot. I believe a few stitches and uh, a bit of a sore head. So, yeah. And any news? Have you heard anything, Elliot? I haven't, no. I um, Yeah, I, I heard that he, um, I think, I don't know if I saw a video of it, but yeah, another dude who kind of is, uh, don't really expect to crash too much, kind of just like really solid rider. So again, like going back to the track, um, I was, <laughs> I was thinking as you were saying that Nico, like Loris actually reminds me of Tomac where when he is feeling comfortable and confident and his bike is working and all of these things, he is on another level. But like, if he's not feeling right, then like he, you're kind of like, ah, oh, like, where is that? Loris that we saw last week or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Totally. That situation with and we're talking about Eli Tomac, not John Tomac. People right. that's podcast might not be in a motocross. <laughs> <laughs> but but then the rocks and like technique. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you watch him run. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Interesting. Well let's just just cover off the overalls briefly. So Jackson Golson extends his lead over Jordan. I think there's about twenty point gap now. Phoebe is uh, closing in on Gracie Hemstreet, who's now only got a five-point lead. So both of those categories still remain very, very interesting. Cammie's still leading the women's uh, from Pom Pom by only 180 points now. And Valley is closing in on them in third. So still still plenty to play for. And Amory, like we said earlier, kind of wasn't a great weekend for him. But he's still 264 points ahead now from Finn. And Loris jumps up to third. So be interesting to see over the next couple of races what happens there um and then we need to we need to do lit kit awards elliot uh you've had a good chance to see everyone's kit watching on rebel tv what are you thinking I, uh, this week i think the i think the scott team 
took it for me. I thought mm. that that was really unique, um, really different. They rolled that out just for the race, right? Like they didn't yeah. have it in practice. Totally. I I like that. I like when people do something different. I feel like so much of the time you just kind of see like lines um, and graphics and words and things like that, even if the colors are interesting. But yeah, for it to be kind of like a tie-dye flowy kind of thing. And then also, yeah, just cool to see Flo. This is last year, Flo Payette. Uh, last year racing um and yeah this was his 99th final i think they said so um, yeah he'll uh he'll be retiring after valdesol um so excited to to see that he's had a great career he has for sure nico what are you thinking i was gonna say the same yeah. I, they definitely caught my eye and they just they just did it for finals. Right? Yeah, I think so. I didn't see anything all week until yeah. like there was an announcement. Then maybe the evening before they showed it on social, and then they raced in it. Yeah, it looked super cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was maybe something special for Flo uh-huh. being on the he he was on the live broadcast in his yeah. last season. But yeah, it looked it looked cool. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I will I, say a uh, shout out to I saw somebody uh, tagged us I think on Instagram about the lit. Kit. Yes. They did um, on the Scott post, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, oh, like, right on. Fair enough. Yeah, it's cool. That, cool that's that funny. Followed. I didn't even know that, and I would have said the Scott kit too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Way. I mean, yeah, same, same. I saw it and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then, like, I watched it and I was like, oh, I got it for sure. It's kind of cool that it was Scott too, because, like, we expect, like, Fox and Troy Lee and, and these companies to always have sick kits. Yeah. But Scott is not really like the first one that comes to mind. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it's the first time they've done something kind of really different, I think. Yeah. Like really stood out. I, I'm going to vote for Loic. I thought Loic's kit was pretty cool with the like kind oh, of really yeah. strong fluoro S's and yeah. stuff on it. I thought, thought that looked pretty cool. And again, just a little bit different from the norm. So. Yeah. The specialized gear all looks really cool. Yeah, Fins is yeah. cool too. Huh? I think the fit yeah, and yeah. everything looks really good. Yeah. Like the quality of it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of weird that maybe they have their name like written across it. Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. says their... Yeah, <laughs> twice was, as well. Somebody was asking me, does Loic have that as well? It's two? He had it He had it in Lenzerheim, but not on this kit. He oh, had no Bruni Bruni written on it in Lenzerheim. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, somebody was like, oh, does he have signature gear? And I was like, no, I think it's just like thing i wonder what what it is like sometimes um when you have like the full team gear that has the logos that flow well with the rest of the kit it looks cooler than just like the stock jersey that doesn't have the racing logos on it so maybe putting their name like kind of helps with that sort of uh graphic design yeah maybe it does look good but it looks good but it's just a weird idea yeah, yeah, yeah. i wouldn't like, really want my like name Nico, Nico. F- yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it might look cool but i'm not sure i would yeah i don't know hottest <laughs> race of the year so far nico and you went back to all black kit this weekend well i was vincent brought me um delivered me a new kit and it was all a, another bag full of the black kits uh-huh. so i wasn't sure if uh i was supposed to get a different color but he ended up just giving me more black ones but i don't know he had i don't really i I would wear black kit every day if it was up to me yeah i like white too because white is like stands out without being a floral color Uh uh-huh yeah i I personally am not like a big fan of all the crazy neon or floral or anything but um if fox gives me the gear and they want me to wear it i put it on and i wear it like (laughs) i don't really care interesting (laughs) we need a competition with fox to design your kit for one of the races so we can get like everyone can, on the podcast and get super wild and. Uh... Oh, I don't think I'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll nip that one in the bud there then. Uh, I'll wear cup. it. Yeah, that <laughs> would be cool. I mean, like I said, I'll wear whatever they want. Normally, I just tell them like, "Hey, this is your marketing. Are you paying yeah. me to ride in this gear? I'll put it on and go race." Like, yeah. I can't see it while I'm riding. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, man. Right. Well, we should leave it there. We're, uh, or you guys off to uh, Snowshoe for the next round. Should be interesting. Are you going to US Nationals, Nico, or are you going to have a a weekend off for the first time in a while? Yeah, so I'm I'm not going. And uh, the reason is I automatically qualified for Worlds Uh by being the Continental Champ, which I just found out for USA Cycling. So, um, yeah, I got a spot for World Champs, so... Normally, national champs is a big world selection thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to take the chance to recover, come into snowshoe recharged. It's 
kind of tough because it's uh, one weekend off between these two back-to-backs, and yeah. then you've got Snowshoe Mount St. Anne back-to-back. And personally, to do well at Snowshoe and St. Anne are more important to me, especially uh-huh. Snowshoe being a U.S. World Cup. And I think I'll have a better chance to do well taking a weekend off rather than flying directly to Colorado, yeah. racing on not my favorite track to race. Yeah, I did win on it one year, so I'll just kind of leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> leave the good memories there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm bummed not to support it, but <clears throat> I don't feel like any of my sponsors or fans would fault me for not doing more races yeah. because I... <clears throat> I attend a lot of races. You do do quite a few, yeah, <laughs> for sure, man. I Good stuff. Like, uh, I always felt like, too, National Champs is one of those ones that, like, if you win, it's, like, great. If you don't, then it's like, I should have just not showed up. Okay. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so me and Logan were talking about it when I was like, hey, what do you think if we don't go to uh, Winter Park? And he's like, well, if you win, it's absolutely worth going. Anything except for winning couldn't have even, show, you could have not even showed up, exactly yeah. what you said. And I'm like, well, you know, Aaron and Dakota and Luca are riding pretty good. So I wanted a few times before, I think I'll leave it at that and go to Snowshoe Recharged. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ah, Sounds like um, the right move. A little, I should, we should get some feedback or people should give me some feedback. I was thinking about doing like a, some sort of, live thing like a Q&A with the podcast um I'm finally launching Reggie it's like the mm-hmm. kind of experience cycling experience marketplace um and so one of the ideas that I had to kind of launch it was like having people sign up and maybe either listening to the podcast live or joining after um and just asking some questions so maybe just shoot me shoot me a a DM or something like that and let me know if anything like that would be interesting because it'd be cool to get some of the fans and stuff involved in, in what we do. I feel like just having the, the chance to ask some questions to some people who are on site that you might not, not get to uh, do would be, would be kind of cool. Definitely, man. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah for sure. I always liked when, when we did the couple of questions last year too. Yeah. give us another point to talk about. And normally it's somebody who, is a true fan of the podcast that listens to them all that yeah. wants to ask us something. So it's uh, it's cool to know what their interest is and be able to speak to it. I think it'd be a good idea. Totally. Good stuff, man. Right. Well, Elliot, I hope you feel better soon, man, and that you're allowed out of your hotel prison and um, we'll uh, catch up on the other side for snowshoe in a couple of weeks. All good. See you guys soon. See ya. Cheers. All right, that's it for this post-race episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A huge thank you to Maxis for supporting this season and making it possible for me to be here. Maxis have incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride. So head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. I'm currently running the DHR Max Terror in the back and the Asagai Max Grip in their brand new XO Plus casing up front and it's a combo that's working super well for me so why not check it out for yourself. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you never miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash ep if you'd like a copy of our lovely print project downtime ep as always spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening that's it for today but until next time get out and ride (laughs) 